0: Thanks for listening to the Dr. Drew Podcast on Podcast One. Let's face it, in today's uncertain times, simple conversations about your health can have powerful results.
1: There's something you are likely eating every day. It can negatively affect your waistline, complexion, and overall health.
0: On the Dr. Gundry podcast, Stephen Gundry, a renowned cardiothoracic surgeon and New York Times best-selling author, cuts through the BS to help you make better health choices.
1: You have the ability to heal yourself if you give yourself the right ingredients to do it with.
0: Dr. Gundry has spent the last 20 years empowering people around the world to help reverse and prevent some of our most serious ailments through the power of diet and lifestyle changes.
1: You will change 90% of you. You will be
0: a brand new you. Tune in to the Dr. Gundry podcast to start your health journey. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and anywhere you get your podcasts.
1: Because I'm Dr. Gundry, and I'm always looking out for you. Our friends at BetterHelp, you've heard me talk about them before, of course, it's customized online therapy, video phone, even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera, even if you don't want to, or you can choose to do that. It's more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. You should join the millions of people who are seeing what therapy is really all about. It. Probably is for you because I'm telling you, therapy always helps. And some people have sort of a barrier to entry. They don't want to sit in a waiting room. They don't like making that first call. This makes it simple. We're all accustomed to Zoom now in the days of COVID. And I tell you what, I've referred a lot of people to BetterHelp, and I have been truly impressed with the services they provide and the outcomes we get it works, it's accessible, it's easy, and whatever weird sort of feeling you have about it, get over it. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and the Dr. Drew Podcast listeners will get a 10% off their first month at BetterHelp, that's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash Drew, D-R-E-W. One more time, that is BetterHelp.com slash Drew. Hey, everybody, you're about to hear a lively and fun discussion with Dana Prino She is an excellent guest. But we had some uh, technical problems with our Zoom. She was in the middle of a snowstorm. And so I'm going to ask you to bear with it for the first 20 minutes of the show. Or if you want, just move forward to about 20, 25 minutes in when we switch to a telephone and uh, all is well. Enjoy Dana Prino Hey, everyone. Welcome to Dr. Who Podcast. As always, keep the winds in the sails of the Corolla Pirate Ship. Don't forget after dark and also sign up at Dr. We'll give you a blast when we are doing a streaming show. I'm going to get right to my guest. I'm privileged to welcome Dana Perino, author, reporter, former White House Press Secretary. She has a new book, Everything Will Be Okay, Life Lessons for Young Women, available now. Dana, so good to see you.
2: Great to see you too. You forgot the little subtitle that Greg Gutfeld laughs at. From, from a, a f- former young woman. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Greg never misses an opportunity to dig. And in fact, you and I have only been in each other's presence on his show, and I think I did the five once. And uh, I said, I want to come on the daily briefing.
2: I love when we did the five.
1: Yeah, that was uh, when we You were,
2: came on the five, and we talked about the homelessness, homelessness problem in yeah. California. You had such good ideas for dealing with that.
1: Yeah, and we've done nothing. It's gotten worse. Uh and I have been canceled oh, at least twice since then, so I've had to kind of curtail my enthusiasm. But I'm moving back. We're actually forming a coalition right now where we are, we are building a large group of people that are going to go up to Sacramento and knock on doors uh, because the the problem is not money. There's literally billions of dollars on the sideline for homelessness. The problem is the laws. The laws are just ridiculous. They make it impossible to manage hopelessness.
2: What I really liked about your approach was the compassion with which you bring to it compassion for the people who are homeless?
1: Oh, they're not my, just the fact that there's patients. crime and there's
2: problems, but it's, it's your heart was broken.
1: It's they're my patients. I know how to try. Imagine you were a, like a surgeon, and every, on every corner you saw the problem that you knew how to fix. You know, it's just like, I know how to deal with this. I know what this is. I know how to make it better. And I and the laws prevent me from doing so. It is. And in the meantime, four in L.A. County alone, four are dying on our street every day. That's up from three when I saw you on the five that time.
2: You know, what I think about when I look at uh, the situation is that each one of those people um, was a son or a daughter, a uh, a sister. A friend?
1: Dana. Somebody who you knew it, in high it, school? It's worse than you know. It, they, they were. It's not a past tense. They have family at home that have a bed for them, that have resources for them, that are dying to get them back and get them care. The laws prevent the family, friends, sisters, brothers from doing anything. This is the crazy part about this. They, they have family and doctors and a bedroom and food they want to stay on the street and the family can't do anything to bring them back and when they do come back and they get proper care they're furious you let me leave you left me on the street for 2 years why, why? because because my brain was messed up and not working right and the law pri- privileged my brain symptoms it's it's beyond anyway i want to get off this i want to get over to your book talk to me about the book what's in the book why should i buy it
2: uh, well, it's funny. You know, it is a book. It, the subtitle is a book, uh, life lessons for young women from a former young woman. There's a lot of my husband uh, stories about my husband in, in the book. And he said that he thinks that every man should read the book because then he will fully understand how he will never understand women. Um, <laughs> he said, you know, women think so much uh-huh. and one of the reasons I wanted to underwrite it is I do a lot of mentoring and I welcome the opportunity. And I've been doing this for quite a long time, especially since I left the White House. And one of the things I realized is that that quarter-life crisis that almost every woman I know has gone through, it's continuing to follow them well into their 30s and sometimes beyond. I find, sadly, that so many young women are just racked with worry and anxiety and a lot of ambition you know they're they want to succeed they've got a lot of pressures they might feel like things aren't turning out their way and i wanted to write something that, to give them a little bit of a guide and a little kick in the ass to be honest it's not a book that says everything will be okay you don't have to do anything it's everything will be okay if you make good personal decisions take personal responsibility but the, what I really hope is that they stop worrying their young lives away well the- I really feel like I've worried so much in my all of my twenties, probably all the way up to mid thirties, and then I got to be white House press secretary, and you have other worries because you're busy, but I realize that you don't have any exact plan for your life, and if you can just take a step back a little bit and accept that you know, if you're born in America, you've already won life's great lottery. Uh-huh. And if you are an educated woman in America, you're in the driver's seat. You know, I think a lot of young women have been caught up in these feelings like um, they're kind of second class or victims and the guys always win and why can't we win? And It is just not true. Women are doing well on almost every score, but they just don't feel like that. And they're holding themselves back. But most importantly, I think that they are robbing themselves of life's joys by just worrying way too much.
1: Well, there there are two things you said that jumped out to me. One I want to address, which is this idea that if we are not getting what we want from life, we have to find something to blame rather than looking internally for the resources we need to get it done or maybe adjusting our plan, whatever it might be. Externalizing the source of our distress is sort of the the call of the day, isn't it? It's sort of a mis- gigantic yes. mistake. Uh, and but the, there's no
2: personal responsibility, right? So, well, no, hang example, on. I, well, hang
1: on a second before, before you go there. Let's I,
2: say that you're.
1: I want I want to go at the idea of personal responsibility. I know what you mean by that, but I think. Making women <laughs> take personal responsibility is going to make them worry and think more. You, you know what I mean? It's like women need a special category for personal responsibility. You, you know what I mean? cuz because, because, because one thing that breaks my heart is i find women constantly taking on things and inventories for things that you know to try to, to fix and take care of and to blame themselves for when it it, it is out there <laughs> there you know it's like uh, for instance just common things i deal with you know something say happens in the husband's uh libido or something and then immediately women go okay what am i doing what i uh, am i looking okay am i uh, what can i do it? am i feeding him properly blah, 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 blah. And when in fact he uh has a thyroid problem <laughs> you know what i mean it's like it's it, it, you don't you don't have to blame yourself for everything and you do also need to take personal responsibility how do we get them that balance
2: it's a great question um and I've, i'm sitting there listening i'm like Yeah, I always, almost always, when my husband, when I walk in, if I see him, I'm like, is everything okay? Yeah. And if, like, if he's had a a bad customer service call, I'm sorry, (laughs) nothing to do with me. Right. Um, Part of what I think about in terms of personal responsibility is I I approach it in, in this way, which is if you're spending four hours a night watching Bravo and you're not prepared when you go into the presentation the next day, well then you've made a decision. Yeah. Um, your time management is just something that's so important. And I also think there's a lot of freedom in discipline. So if you have some parameters in your life where you can say, you know, I don't stay out till last call on a Thursday night um, or, you know, I, I have one that I talk about. It's going to sound kind of weird, but I used to get so much anxiety going to baby showers. Huh. I did not want to go. I don't have children. I like children. I like my friends' children. I would always send a gift, but I just found it excruciating to go to baby showers. And most women will go through a point in your life when your friends and your relatives are all having babies. And finally, one day I got caught in a little white lie that I couldn't attend. And they said, oh, well, then we'll change the date so you can be there. (laughs) So I finally just said, okay, I have a personal policy. I don't go. And it gave me this freedom when I get an invitation, like, oh, I don't attend baby showers, but what's the? Make sure I have the address, so I always send a gift. Uh, that might sound sort of weird, but I remember just getting so much anxiety. I'd walk in, and people would say, "Do you have children?" It's like, no, and they would say, "Oh," as if, as if I had to explain why I don't or why I couldn't or might be um, so.
1: Okay, we, you, you ble- the Wi-Fi cut off for about thirty forty seconds. Uh. So so I heard what you were saying about had, trying to explain things and being sort of, you know, you, you felt in, it, it, if you if you when they would come up to you and say, "Do you have children?" I, I, it's interesting. I see on your face, and you correct me if I'm wrong, embarrassment that you're okay not having children. <laughs> like somehow that's flawed. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, like, of course yeah. you wouldn't, because well, you, you don't want to explain yourself when other women, then you have to go, how could you feel that way? I, I don't want to get, I'm okay. I'm fine. Let's just stop. Stop right there. And that would be very uncomfortable, I would think.
2: It's very interesting that people all want to say, like, why don't you have children? And um, look, my husband and I just decided we didn't. it wasn't for us. And I also always knew that that could change.
1: Yeah. You
2: know, at some point along the way, I was prepared for that. My husband is 18 years older than me. Um, He had children from his first marriage. But also for me, it just, I didn't want to have kids. And so, um, yeah, that that has come up over and over again. I get a lot of questions about that um, work-life balance. And one of the things I did in the book was I went ahead and interviewed a woman that has three boys. She's one of those friends that I look at and think, how does she do it all? An incredible global talent officer for a big company. Um, she had some great advice for women and, and not apologizing for being a good mom and setting some standards with your uh, business. She said that um, one of the things to do if your colleagues keep calling you when you're trying to have that dinner time with your family or maybe the kids are screaming and crying and you got you know, it's chaos with three boys, she said she would just pick up the phone and say, how can I help you? <laughs> but let them hear all the chaos yeah. in the back. Yeah, and just like little things like that, where you can you know start to stand up for yourself a little bit.
1: It's funny. I see. I see just a confident delight in your in your face when you say, "I don't have. To, I don't want children." But I imagine women get very judgy, which is another thing that breaks my heart. Is how women judge each other and attack each other. That that to me is so. Oh, we got to get. Through. It started when you were twelve, and it needs to stop. Oh, the computer cut. I think
2: it's earlier than that, actually. Really? book um, yes. Is how most women think that everybody is thinking about them, mm-hmm. and the truth is, is that most of the time nobody's thinking about you right. because they're thinking about themselves. That's right. And that can also be freeing. I also tried to do something else in this book, which is to try to get a little bit out of myself. I just gave an example of something I've started doing, which is to catch up, you know, meet eye contact with somebody or even not, even if I'm on the subway and just wish everyone a little, a uh, good wish or a little prayer that, that whatever's on their minds, whatever they're dealing with could be alleviated for the day or that she gets home safely um, that he has a great night, um, but a way to get out of my own head and thinking and regurgitating everything from my day and getting into other people, I think that's helped me find a way to um, just remember that everybody's going through something.
1: Well, that is a really interesting practice, Right. Because getting focused on the well-being of others and just wishing it, just, just paying attention to it and being, paying a little homage to it, that's a very positive, from the standpoint of like positive psychology, that's a very positive place. And I imagine it's kind of a nourishing place to be in.
2: It's a great point. I feel that sometimes because I don't feel guilty for my success, but I'm well aware that I... And living a life that is quite comfortable compared to you know, 99.9% of people you know, in the world. And I did a lot of work in Africa after I left the White House. And my husband and I continued to be active there. But every time I went, I realized it would give me what I call perspective with a capital P. Yeah. So, pride is actually pretty great. Um, that's when I started to try to, to do that, um, that little exercise. Found it worked out really well because it helps you get connected to people. It's weird. You you can live in New York City, which aside from COVID is a very populated place, and it can be very lonely.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: You know, everybody's doing their own thing. And I I just feel like, you know, if, if you're buried in your phone or you're not making eye contact with people, you're really missing out on a lot in life.
1: Yeah. It's absolutely true. It's a hundred percent. I mean, the, I was talking to a psychologist recently, and she was saying the number one complaint she's hearing is lack of connection. That that's really when you get right down to it. The and loneliness epidemic, yeah, especially in COVID, especially in COVID, where it's becoming really, you know, it's causing mental health problems. Let, I want to talk uh, about your other books. The other books are uh, "Let Me Tell You About Jasper," how my best friend became America's dog. <laughs> And the good news is lessons and advice from the Bright Side, And then also, do you have you have a new show too, right?
2: Well, yeah. So, well, it's, um, I don't know if your listeners would know it, but America's Newsroom, that's 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And I'm co-hosting for the first time with Bill Hemmer. And it has been such a joy. It was an opportunity I did not pursue. I did not expect. It came out of the blue. And it started right around Inauguration Day of 2020. And annoyingly to some people, like our friend Greg Gutfeld, <laughs> I am a morning person. <laughs> I wake up happy and ready to work. It drives Greg crazy.
1: That's so funny.
2: Um, but it's really working for me. I love it. Uh, I'm, I'm dealing with trying to figure out how to deal with um, the length of my day because I also do the five, four days a week. But how could you get about The Five? The Five's a blast.
1: I, I bet. And are you still doing the Daily Briefing, too?
2: No. That show okay. Um, ended. Okay, got it. It was put to bed.
1: I, I Listen, two hours with Bill, I imagine. You get to really try to deliver the news, which I, I know these days is kind of a challenging thing to actually provide news.
2: I love that part of it. I always love news. You know something my dad did with me? Um, Doctor. Dr. Drew this might be a lot about thing you could talk to your friends if you want um, when I was in 3rd grade my dad he was quite a news consumer um, talk radio television news but he subscribed to every magazine and newspaper i was quite close to my dad when i was a kid and he started a tradition in 3rd grade where i had to read the Rocky Mountain News and the Denver Post every day before he got home from work. Wow. And I had to choose two articles to discuss before dinner. Wow. And that really helped me a couple of ways. One presenting yourself and your ideas and defending them in front of a dominant male figure, Um, critical thinking skills and a love for news. And I I am so glad that my dad did that with me because now when I read the newspapers every day, it's just, it feels, it doesn't feel like work.
1: How, how long did you do that for with your dad?
2: Well, I would say all the way up through high school, re- not as regimented, but as I got a little bit older, I was on the speech and debate team, of course. <laughs> uh-huh. And, you know, we got all the magazines back in the day. There was you know, Newsweek, us news and world report, uh, national review new republic and then if we saw an article that we liked we would dog ear the page and maybe leave a note in the margin for each other and then when we we could catch up we would talk about it
1: have fun Well, did you know that aging actually begins in our cells? Many aspects of our daily life can influence how our trillions of cells perform and ultimately how we age. Age Age-associated cellular decline, or AACD, is the time-related deterioration, the way our cells function as we age, begins in our 40s, accelerates in our 60s. Over time, our cellular processes become less efficient, which can contribute to things like fatigue reduced muscle strength, impaired cellular defenses. To help address these changes, try incorporating nutrients that work on the cellular level to increase your wellness routine. Celtrient Cellular Nutrition is a breakthrough range of nutritional products with cellular nutrients to target cellular performance. Celtrian is the first brand to provide a range of cellular ingredients, including nicotinamide riboside, urolithin A, and glycine plus N-acetylcysteine, all stuff I take to help combat key sources of AACD. I take this product. Visit Celtriant.com for more info and find out which Celtriant products are right for you. Use code Drew 10 R D 10 for 10% discount. Relief Band is the number one FDA-cleared anti-nausea wristband And it has been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, anxiety, migraines, hangovers, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and much more. We're going on a cruise, and we are going to use it. Listen to what Dolly talked about in her experience. Quote, this really works. Friday night, the ship rocked and rolled all night. I didn't get sick the whole week. Enjoyed my trip to Alaska. If you get motion sickness, get one of these. Don't get the cheap ones. You get what you pay for Ooh, my wife Susan's going to love this. It'll free her to travel without that seasickness. It's 100% drug-free, non-drowsy, all-natural relief, zero side effects for as long as needed. The relief band stimulates a nerve in the wrist that travels to the part of the brain that controls nausea. The technology originally developed over 20 years ago in hospitals to relieve nausea for patients, but now relief band is available to the masses. And as the world opens back up, don't let the fear of nausea keep you on the sidelines. Right now, relief band has an exclusive offer just for Dr. Drew podcast listeners if you go to reliefband.com. Use promo code DREW. You'll receive 20% off plus free shipping and no questions asked. 30-day money-back guarantee. So head to reliefband, R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D.com. Use our promo code DREW for 20% off plus free shipping. Now, you were the White House Press Secretary under George W. Bush. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering if you have any thoughts about some of the other press secretaries we've seen parade through recently. I mean, we've gone away from Scaramucci to uh, oh, the Mooch, <laughs> Kaylee McEnany, and now now the woman I can't remember her name. That's up there. I can see her vividly, but I can't remember her name yet. Um,
2: Jan Saki.
1: Yeah. Do you have assessments of these people's performances?
2: Just curious there's a great fraternity of former press secretaries. Got it. Not hearing me.
1: Yes, I hear you now.
2: Jen Psaki is the latest press secretary. And what I have found is that we're all pretty friendly to each other. Now, I don't know if that will necessarily be true um, with the Trump press secretaries and the new press secretary. It's coming. Cause it's been a nice. And you know, I'll tell you one thing. The glass ceiling has been firmly broken when it comes to the press secretary job.
1: For sure. For sure. Was Didi Myers the first woman? Or did, yes, yeah. she was. Interesting. So, yeah, I I want to talk about uh, what you think about my uh, concerns about the uh, the American psyche right now. I was just thinking about this probably about a week ago, that if if you, Dana, came to me five years ago – and said, you know, I'm thinking, I'm, just, I'm preoccupied with Nazis. I'm thinking about Nazis, and I see them all over the place. And I, I think everyone's a Nazi. We would put you in the hospital. We would act. That's a delusion. And and I'm wondering if we've entered some sort of mass delusion. Uh, COVID has some delusional qualities to it in terms of the kind of fear people have and the paranoid thought process and vaccinations created this delusional thought thinking, but. The Nazi thinking—I mean, that's such a classic delusion—and we used to hear it all the time back in the '80s. People that were in the hospital, were, that's their psychotic process included, worrying about Nazis taking over. I—I I never thought a time we'd see a time when people said that out loud in public.
2: Well, one, I think it does show also that people are not learning their history well to actually understand a Nazi is. It also is like the lowest form of insult, yeah. And it doesn't work in debates; right. it just shuts down conversation completely. Which, um, but I also wonder, from your perspective, go ahead.
1: No, go ahead. From my perspective.
2: Well, from your perspective, isn't it true that pandemics throughout history actually accelerate this type of thinking?
1: Yes, Pandem- pandemics accelerate paranoid thought. They're almost every almost every pandemic. Uh, create some sort of uh, conspiracies and paranoias, and
2: why you know. is that?
1: Uh, people are afraid. People are afraid, and we're primitive animals. And if we're not uh, carefully trained, if we aren't biologists, if we don't have uh, you know the frontal lobes fully developed, we succumb to our deeper processes. Uh Dana, Gary has an interesting idea. Gary, go ahead and tell Dana what you're thinking cuz we're losing about a a quarter of what you're saying. Yeah, Dana, this is this conversation's so good, but we're it's it, you're pretty choppy. Would you mind calling in and we can just do this over the phone? I'd be happy to. Well, listen, we, you've been hearing some of these technical problems. Dana has been sitting in a snowstorm in New York City, so we've switched over to the telephone. Dana, are you there?
2: It's so old-fashioned of us. I know,
1: I know. I'm so used to Zoom. What do you mean Zoom isn't working? All right. So, so I, I want to. Um, I think we lost a lot of that press secretary commentary. So I want to go back to that. You, you were saying that the press secretaries had a little bit of a of a, a fraternal relationship.
2: Yes. Yeah, so it's been really um, positive. So Dee Dee Myers was the first woman press secretary. Um And another press secretary from the past that i'm very close with is marlon fitzwater
1: oh how funny. I don't know if you'll
2: remember his name. do you remember Marlon
1: I remember the name I can't remember who he was the press secretary for
2: he did for the last four years of Reagan and all four years of the only bush forty one term
1: Oh my God. so funny so
2: I don't think that today a press secretary could last that long right um for, with Marlin, there was no cable news right. and no social media and in fact. I didn't even have Twitter on the day that I left the White House in January 20th of 2009. So that's how quickly technology has changed. Um, But I have great reverence for the position and for all the press secretaries. We're all pretty... At least I I've remained pretty good friends with all of them. Um, There could be some exceptions. Things have been pretty tense the last few years. Um, For example, Joe Lockhart, uh, who worked for Bill Clinton, he really had it in for... Anything to do with the Trump administration, so I don't think there's a lot of friendships there. But for the most part, um, there's some mutual respect and also just laughing about the situation sometimes because when you get out there to the podium, you are all on your own.
1: Yeah i i thought I thought Kaylee did. It. I knew I've known Kaylee for a few years. I used to use her on television as a commentator, and I thought she, she was kind of a, 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 she was. A, It was a new style. (laughs) I thought she was sort of extraordinary in her own little way. Um, And and, uh, I'm a little – I want to go back to some of the other stuff we were talking about too, um, which was this whole idea that we're kind of in a kind of mass delusion and we're more under the sway of our kind of primitive psychology these days. And, And to some extent, it is the pandemic. Uh, because pandemics always create some of this stuff, but it was already the, all the Nazi talk and stuff was going on before the pandemic. Uh, so we, we've sort of moved into a very strange period, it seems to me, in terms of the what Abraham Lincoln would call the public mind. Uh, do you worry? Well, can't
2: even talk about Abraham Lincoln anymore.
1: Oh, is he? Because he's a white supremacist? Is that is that the even deal?
2: he is being canceled? Yes, and not not everywhere, but in fact, the city of Chicago has just undertaken um, to build a commission to look at anything uh, that had to do with Lincoln. Now, remember, Illinois is the land of Lincoln. Wow. And you know, his name being taken off of schools, uh, statues, uh, they're considering taking down the statues there in Chicago. Now, hopefully the commission will uh, have... better results than some of those schools did out in San Francisco. But I think that what you're talking about is also um, culminating in this canceling of people, you know, even, I don't watch the bachelor, but I had to talk about the fact that the bachelor host got canceled because he was asking for people to have some grace about a contestant who had gone to a, a antebellum party and, uh, I guess they felt that she hadn't sufficiently apologized and he was trying to defend her a little bit, just not saying that what she did was the right thing to do, but that asking for some grace and imagine asking for grace to land you one without a job, but also basically erased from all that hard work that you've done. Yeah. And to me, for people that um, especially uh, think of Christianity as the way that they want to live their lives and, and, and their faith, that is like the exact opposite of the teaching
1: the well, to, to be fair to be fair, yes you're of course that's true, but it's interesting to me, Adam and I were talking about the the cancel pressure we used to get back when we were doing Loveline in the late nineties from the right we We would get all these letters mm. and religious organizations and complaints, and it was all a lot of it was very also delusional i was i was advocating for hpv vaccines i was advocating for you know not not abortion pills but morning after contraceptive which works just like your pill you take before intercourse and mm-hmm. and they refused to accept any of that and were flying into these uh, ideas of fancy about their religious views being uh, profoundly violated by us and we we ne- they would write our uh, broadcasting organizations they would just they would come down on us from the regulatory side so the the right had its own version of this it just wasn't quite so uh, pervasive and so, so, and so I democratized you, because
2: i'm i'm genuinely curious well how did that change and were there any lessons from how that changed into how to maybe this will Eventually, change and yeah,
1: get better. Yeah, it, it just—you know what it is—the the truth eventually prevailed. Uh, HPV vaccine, guess what? Prevented cancer, and therefore people needed to shut up about it when somebody advocated for preventing cancer. Uh, the morning after pill is not an abortion pill, and and it was sort of like rationality sort of took hold, and people just weren't reacting with their emotions. Uh, and then, and then, th- th- um, sort of p- pushing them through the sieve of their religious principles. Um, so, I guess we should say that rationality will. I, I'm worried because I keep looking at the French Revolution, uh, and I, and I, okay. you know, the book I wrote on narcissism. I wanted to write a chapter on pre-revolutionary France because I kept saying. I can't find another period of history that had so much trauma and narcissism except right around Revolutionary France. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, and I just want to just talk about the correlates, and now here we are with the guillotines out. And the thing about guillotines is that everybody goes on the guillotine. It doesn't just stop with the people that start putting people on the guillotine. The people that start putting people on the guillotine themselves end up on the guillotine. Without exceptions. Right. Without exceptions. That's how this works. So I'm guessing. Thankfully, there is no actual violence going on at this point. I mean, you know, not of this nature where individuals are being uh, decapitated. And I'm guessing this version of it will burn itself out. Uh, uh, How long it takes is what I keep asking. You know, when's it going to get better, (laughs) mommy? When's it going to stop? Is really what it feels like. I know. I
2: I say the same. Like, like it has to end, right? Like, surely they don't believe this, right? Um, I do think that we we 're in the middle of a cultural revolution, and the thing is is that once a, once you realize you 're in the middle of a cultural revolution, you 're kind of powerless to stop it until rationality takes hold C-
1: correct however, you don 't want to look back on it and say that you didn 't stand up for some sane principles and help push it Absolutely. towards rationality so um, i I am super moderate, so i don 't take sides particularly. Uh, I see the insanity everywhere, <laughs> and so I'm trying to. I actually have a, a, one of my podcasts. We have something called the Rational Re- Revolution. We just we want we want to start from one principle: truth exists. Just start from there. Let's all agree: truth exists, and let's move forward. You got to understand. I
2: love that. Yeah. I love that. Truth has been. do you assault. think there are more people? There, there, obviously, I think there are more people that are part of the Rational Revolution, but they're very quiet.
1: They're afraid. Everyone's afraid. I'm afraid. I I get it. I get it. I I only recently started going back out on social media again because it's so disgusting. It's so unpleasant. And uh, I sort of feel like I kind of have to. I have an obligation to. Uh, It's it's really an unfortunate time, but I – I don't know. I, I don't want to predict because I, I, I just – I'm an eternal optimist. I have faith in our country and I have faith in humans generally. And I feel like – You know, I mean, look at what happened with the printing press. The religious wars break, broke out when you had the ability mm-hmm. to read the Bible. And so whenever there have been technological advances, stuff – things destabilize, but they also have a way of – Moving to I, I'm sort of Hegelian a little bit in my thinking, like the like the Hegelian notion of there being a th- a thesis, an antithesis, and then a synthesis. And I think we're we've got to move toward things are moving so fast, which is that's the good news. It's not going to take three hundred years like it did in the um, late middle ages, but that the synthesis needs to needs to come together. I just don't quite see what that's going to be yet. I'm, I'm worried. I don't
2: either, though. There are some, in, in terms of the like technology moving so fast, uh, on, in some ways, it's just so amazing. I mean, imagine if we hadn't been able to get a coronavirus vaccine as quickly as we did.
1: Right. I mean...
2: How much worse things could have been. But the fact that the technology and the science had advanced enough that now even that technology could be used to fight some cancers... Um, or help with other uh, yeah. va- vaccines for other diseases, yeah. that's quite remarkable and maybe can help a little bit.
1: Well, I, my son, who was a history major, pointed out to me once that uh, wars were the greatest source of emotional de- of, of uh, economic development. And I feel like we've been at war with this um, virus. And isn't it interesting that a lot of things were sped up and pushed forward? I mean, we just landed somebody something on Mars and we yep. the and these the my profession i when i when i was yelling about um you know stop stop with the panic porn from the press and start you know just start calming people down one of the things i was saying was that you know the medical system in the united states has an unbelievable ability to problem solve and improvise and and really come up with solutions Oh my god, in the last 6 months the number of treatments that we've developed for for COVID, let alone the vaccines, the preventative therapies, our our offensive team is doing a pretty good uh you know, our off we, we've been on the defense in terms of masks and sheltering and all this stuff, but now on the offense we're doing a pretty damn good job. I unfortunately, I feel like our public health system was mired in it was ossified. It, it it should have been out there mm-hmm. educating people about how to stay out of the hospital, how to use the medical system, what you can do with telehealth if you get COVID, what a monoclonal antibody is, how steroids should be used. Uh, I stayed out of the hospital. I, I you know I had I had ten. I'm still having post long hauler stuff from COVID. I I had ten mm. weeks of COVID. I had bad COVID, but I stayed out of the hospital. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, it was bad. I was really bad for about three weeks. And mm. but I stayed out of the hospital because. You know, I worked collaborative with a peer, and he did some aggressive moves up front, and then got me on steroids, and then a monoclonal antibody infusion, and then I stayed out of the hospital. and Mm -hmm. uh, And so I I shared that story on Instagram Lives every couple days to try to educate people about you know this is what your public health officials should be telling you. The other thing I I see as one of the crises we're in. Is as, as, and the, this idea of the public health system being ossified is what reminds me of this the excessive bureaucracy. What one of the reasons that, that teachers aren't going back to school, particularly here in Southern California, is they're scared. They're being told one thing by the state bureaucracy, another thing by the county bureaucracy, another thing by the school district bureaucracy, another thing by their union bureaucracy. Bureaucracies are sort of the enemy right now, it seems to me. Do you agree?
2: Yes and actually you know we talked about how um pandemics have a have a tendency to speed up conspiracy thinking yeah. but also technologies or some other sort of big movement and I think we are watching in real time a permanent and fundamental change to uh the education system. Oh yeah. And the loss the loss of faith in the public uh, school system now that that means that those of us that care, and, and you do, I do, so many people that we know do, um, we have to make sure that all children have the opportunity to learn. Yep. Uh, that's our obligation. Yep. Um, but I think that you will see a permanent change, and that also might help with the rationality going oh, forward. Oh, maybe.
1: My, my God. I so agree with you. When, when I think about some of the things that are going on and some of the things people are thinking, I, I just think to myself, what what I just had a conversation with a friend of mine this morning about statistics and probabilities, and I said, "What what's wrong with our educational system? People, it's been the death of math. People can't they can't think probabilistically. They think one percent risk of demise. I'm going to die. because no, one of the one of the confusing questions I got when I was sick was, "Were you afraid? Were you afraid? I was like, "No, I have a one percent fatality rate. I'm not, I'm not even thinking right. about fatality. It's one percent. <laughs> when a doctor tells you you have a one percent risk, he, he or she's telling you, "Don't worry about it. It's not going to happen to you. So that's good news.
2: It's a great point. I'm I'm very interested in the the changes in in the school system and the opportunities there. Um, And and also things like, do you ever talk to the guys at the Khan Academy?
1: Well, I've never talked to them, but I admire them.
2: Yeah, so they've come up with some uh, additional tools that are free for anybody can use.
1: Khan Academy is unbelievable. People who don't know it, you just go on Khan Academy. I think it's it's K-A-H-N. Dot com, I think. Yep. And, and there's a yep. million yep. courses on there. You can learn anything about anything. Dot org. Dot You know
2: how it started?
1: Uh, it's a great he, story. I just remember, I remember him telling it on TV one time. Go ahead, tell it again.
2: Yeah, so his, his name is Sal Kahn. Yeah. And he was working in um, a tech company, I guess. And his nieces and nephews would call him on the phone, or early Skype days, actually, and ask if he could help them with their homework. Um, their more advanced math homework. And, and actually, maybe it was even algebra. And so he would set up a little whiteboard and, on Skype, and then he would help his nieces and nephews. And then the nieces and nephews would say, do you mind if my friend comes over? I go, she's having a hard time too. And so then it just sort of spread that way. And then he left his um, company and he started this nonprofit. And now, I don't know, they teach millions of kids all around the world incredible he, he,
1: that man can master and teach any topic it's uncanny what he can do it's really i i'll just go on to Khan Academy if i have free time just to, to they're about 5 minute lectures and you you walk away he he has a way of processing it in such a way that you you get it no, no matter how complicated the topic is
2: yeah, so we have to make sure that um, people have access to the internet. That's also another really big well, and, issue, right? So, yeah,
1: and people worry about you know systemic racism. The educational system is your source of systemic racism, everybody. That, that's that got to be better distributed and uh, quality-enhanced so people have a chance uh, that's equitable. I, I really strongly believe that. Well, we, we've been all over the place. I want to go back to you, Dana. Well, so... Uh, let's let's go through the book again. Are, are you getting any pushback by having the temerity to suggest that a young woman is different than a young man?
2: <laughs> not yet, but hey, now that you brought it up, I'll be prepared for it. <laughs> so,
1: I mean, I'm not allowed to talk about biological differences between men and women. I, I'm not even allowed to say that in biology, I'm a trained biologist, there's a, something that produces a sperm and there's something that produces an ovum, and we have names for those things. And some animals do both, but in mammals they don't so i don't know it's a weird time this is this is what causes me to to say things like hey everybody that there's there's we can adjust we can work around the truth but truth exists
2: you know i am we've been talking about this on the show a little bit but i'm paying a lot of attention to this issue about um uh transgender athletes yeah and what is happening especially for uh girls sports yeah and girls opportunities um it's an interesting cross-section of um, uh, groups, for example, women's groups uh, that went after Martina Navratilova, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who was sticking up for girls when it came to the sports, and um, that's a, r- it's a really important issue. Um, I don't think that it's being handled very well by uh, the government, and I feel bad for the parents, and so I'm staying on top of that issue, uh, paying attention to it and trying to speak up when I can.
1: Interesting. Uh, and then uh, your your two hour show is primarily news, right? Not opinion.
2: Yep, we do news, um, a range of news. Well, you know, we interview a lot of people and and press them. We had a, a good discussion about um, the minimum wage hike. That's always a, that's always a good one. Yeah. Um, today, also that you know, foreign, We've tried to hit a little foreign policy. you um, have also been talking a little bit about Britney Spears because you know what, <laughs> people are ready to not talk so much about politics. They that's want nice. a little.
1: Pop culture news. Yeah, and just to be for the audience, we are recording this a couple of weeks in advance, so that that's the this is the topics we were talking about. Uh, the, <laughs> the the uh, the the Britney Spears thing. You know, I've been saying he, her dad saved her life. Uh, conservator, mm-hmm. Conservatorship changed, saved her life. Perhaps she would be dead now without, or she'd be living on the street. One or the other. Uh, whether or not he was the right person to be the conservator, or whether there was excesses, I, I don't really have an opinion. But I'm telling you, that woman was severely ill, and the, because of excellent psychiatric care and a conservatorship, she's alive and thrived. And would be either dead or on the streets, I guarantee it. Without a conservatorship, in fact, one you know of my- the
2: angle that we took was how the media um, and they were responding to you know, demand from the audience. Um, if you look back at some of the coverage of her as she was, uh, as her star was rising, but as she was. Uh, declining, mm-hmm. you know, mentally. Yep. Remember when she shaved her head? Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. Um, you know, even on the family feud, there was a category of, it was called things Britney Spears has lost. <laughs> oh, jeez. And um, three of the answers were, it was like um, money, marriage, and the third one was, that, that was a correct answer was her mind.
1: Uh, absolutely. That, that's well, and how, that's and correct. And in a way,
2: it's like the, how we were exploiting her well, as consumers of news, and I'm, I don't, I don't like that.
1: Well, go watch Anna Nicole Smith with that
3: yep, perspective yep, that's in mind. One. Yep.
1: I, I was standing there. I was on multiple programs, going, "You are talking about a woman who is dying. Do you understand?" And they were making fun of her. And blah, blah. blah. I thought this woman's going to die. There's no doubt in my mind. This is opiate addiction writ large. Oh, Gary's holding up the 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 uh, top answers. Her hair, her respect, her mind was number three. Her husband, her children, her weight, her fans—those are those the top Uh, answers. Can you believe that on a real show?
2: On a family feud.
1: But but what I I, did—it's okay to make fun. I understand people do that. But then also not to understand you're watching somebody dying, and that we really need to Mm -hmm. say prayers for her and and wish her the best. I I, I, that that's the part that troubles me—the lack of psychoeducation. That you know, Head shaving is sort of a classic manic symptom. That's what people do when they're in acute mania, They'll just shave their head all of a sudden. And then substances, which I kept hearing about people. Of course, that stuff swirls around me. People call me with concerns. Substances were an issue, but that was probably more of a psychiatric pathology than an addiction per se, but who knows? We weren't there. And um, yeah, people die of that combination of problems, and that's what is one of my one of my solutions to the homeless thing is to make conservatorships better and more available because a lot of people I see on yes. the street need, yes. need custodial I care. So again, I'm I'm shooting my mouth off. a lot. I, I I. You know why Dana? I'm I'm talking so much is you listen so well, and you, <laughs> know, you don't, I'm not kidding, and you don't you don't often get to listen to people that are penetrative listen speak to people that are penetrative listeners. It makes you talk. <laughs> so that's why I'm getting so chatty.
2: It's actually <laughs> interesting. You know, in my book, I do talk about how um, one of the ways to succeed in the workplace um, is to spend a little time or more time listening. Um, and I find also young women, they're, they're raring and ready to go. Sometimes they don't even realize that they keep interrupting people, including the boss. Mm. And that's a surefire way to make sure that you don't get promoted. <laughs>
1: Well, Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditation with an easy-to-use app. Only meditation app advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace can help you feel better. Need help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions that their members swear by. For parents Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids. Headspace approach to mindfulness reduces stress, improves sleep, boosts focus, increase your overall sense of well-being and I assure you, I have used it to wind down and it is very effective. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule, anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier in Headspace meditation made simple. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash drew. Again, that is headspace.com slash drew for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace' full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Go right now. headspace.com slash drew. Go today. Well, we're here today to talk about uh, aging. I don't know if everyone loves talking about that topic, but uh, I suggest you pay attention to it. And when we talk about aging, we're really talking about our cells. The cells are what age, become senescent, uh, and there are things now we can do about that. My guest is Dr. Noelle Reed, board-certified family medicine physician, consulting physician for Celtrian Cellular Nutrition. Dr. Reed, Welcome.
3: Thank you, Dr. G. Thanks for having me. So
1: I know people are very focused on looking and feeling uh, younger, but you know when you think about wrinkles and our hair and all the things that decline with the aesthetics, really we're talking about ourselves. That's where the aging occurs.
3: Exactly. So you make an excellent point. I think that's where we focus initially is our aesthetics, right? The wrinkles that set in, the gray hair that comes in, the sagging skin, maybe that we're not moving as fast as we used to five, 10 years prior. But aging starts from the inside out. It starts at the cellular level. Um, And so if you can imagine, as we get older, our cells do, too, then they don't tend to function as well. And that's what we refer to as age associated cellular decline or AACD, which is the time related deterioration in the way that our cells function as we age that we typically see in our early 40s and it accelerates as we get into our 60s. And one of the main aspects of AACD can be traced back to the mitochondria. So do you remember what that is, Dr. Drew? From oh, the yeah. Biology oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> so these are, the, these are the energy plants. These are how we create energy in the cell, where we get exactly. our ATP from.
3: Yeah, you you hit the nail on the head. So these are energy producers. They are the power plants, the powerhouses of the cell and responsible for producing more than 90% of the energy that the cell needs to do its work. Um, Remarkably, we have about 100,000 trillion mitochondria, which is approximately 10% of our body weight. Um, And AACD encompasses declines in these power plants. So over time, the key natural processes Become less efficient at the cellular level. And this can contribute to physical things such as fatigue, decrease um, muscle stamina, decrease or impaired immunity.
1: And so, how does Celtrient do so?
3: Well, by using a cellular uh, nutrient. So, um, there's a, an entire product line actually with Celtrient where it focuses on really three aspects of um, age-associated cellular decline, and that being lack of energy or decrease in energy, decrease in muscle strength, and impaired immunity. And so there's three key nutrients that it includes, and that being nicotinamide riboside, urolithin A- and glycine plus N-acetylcysteine to help combat the key sources of AACD.
1: And we will talk specifically about each of those products on in later conversations. But for now, if you're interested, go to Celtrient.com for more information. You can take a short quiz under Find Your Celtrient tab, discover which Celtrient products fit your needs. Use code DRDW10, Dr. Ten, Dr. and you will get a 10% discount. Dr. Reed, thank you for joining me.
3: Thanks for having me.
1: and i think women are naturally better listeners than men i just think that's just a natural trait they have that they they just uh, are more receptive well they they you know you're using more of your brain right you have a big corpus callosum and, and <laughs> you do and so you're so you're getting more of your holistic bodily based impressions coming into the the listening you get, you get it's it's a richer landscape of listening i i had to learn it you know i had to sort of come to it in in uh, training to help help people uh, and now I know it when I see it. I, I see how how easily women come to that. They ignore it. Sometimes they don't pay attention to it. Uh, sort mm-hmm. of paying attention to their instincts and their inner voices. They, like you say, they they their their default is worrying, and and sometimes worrying blots out the instincts. Right.
2: Definitely, yeah. it can cloud everything, um, your judgment, and and the more you worry, it just they can compound itself. There's one exercise I recommend in the book that. Um, I've done since college, and that is when I feel overwhelmed by worries, which is much, uh, very infrequent now, but it used to be a lot. Um, I take a piece of paper, and one, on one column, I list my concerns and worries of things that are on my mind that are kind of choking me, and the next column, I say, is this something that I can control or not, you know, check mark next to the ones that I have control over, for those that I have control over in the third column, I write a couple of words about what I plan to do about it. If it's worrying me, mm. maybe I can let it go. Maybe I need to have an action plan, but then I would take that piece of paper and I would put it in either my wallet, uh, maybe today in the back of my phone, but in my bag or in my back pocket so that as you're going about your day, as those worries start to creep back up, you can pull that piece of paper out and have a little more comfort um, and what's in your control and what isn't, and sort of find that serenity that was intended for us.
1: I, I love that, and it, it's sort of it's sort of focusing the locus of control. How do you deal with the parts that you're helpless, that make you feel helpless? Because that's the part people complain about. Do you just push it as, can well, you just... I,
2: yeah. I grew up, you know, my mom was a, um, a child of uh, alcoholics. She went to uh-huh. um, Alcoholics Anonymous, or Children of Alcoholics Anonymous, um, and the serenity prayer was very much at the forefront um, in our house and in the Lutheran church uh, that I grew up in. So recognizing the things that I can't control um, and turning that over to God or to whoever else was in charge, uh, like, it, it's to say it's, somebody, it's somebody's behavior that I can't control, um, but can I control how much I have to be around that person?
1: We call that surrender. And that's a, yeah. that's, most people can't do that. That's a profound, uh, they, they feel like they have to keep controlling things. And it's a very healthy capacity. It really is. My yeah.
2: husband's been a very good influence on me um, in that regard. He has, he talked about a good listener um great advice, but he can recognize when you are upset about, when I'm upset about something that I can't control. Mm-hmm. Um, or if I can't make a decision, and he always reminds me that deciding not to make a decision right now is a decision.
1: Right. Interesting. It puts the locus control again back to you. That's good. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So Mm -hmm. um, they are pushing in on this studio right now. Somebody else is about to come in. So I have just a remaining couple of minutes with you, Dana. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, and I and I hope to come back and visit you guys soon. Um, Let's talk about our friend Greg Gutfeld before I wrap up. Uh, Are you going to be? Oh, I love this topic. (laughs) Are you going to be a part of the nightly new nightly show?
2: Oh, you know, I hope once in a while um, my schedule. You know, I'm now a 4:30 a.m. Uh, wake up, oh boy. During the week, yeah. but yes, I would love to join him uh, when I can. Well, and if he have me,
1: I'm guessing he's going to need an uh, expanded cast because he's now instead of you know casting two people a week, he's ex- casting ten. Right? I mean, it's, it's going
2: gonna, it's gonna to be a big operation. It's going to be a great success. I'm lo- I'm really happy for him, and um, I get a kick out of him. What did he, he said something on the five the other day that made me laugh so hard, like I felt like you know, like I was going to get in trouble in high school for talking during class. Oh, I know what it was. We have a colleague, uh, Shannon Bream. She has a book coming out called women of the Bible speak. Yeah. And Juan Williams was promoting that for his one more thing on her behalf. And Greg Gutfeld said, that gives me an idea of a women of the Bible calendar. (laughs) I (laughs) said, Greg, you can't say that.
1: No, you know what you got to tell him, Greg, Greg, Please use that mind for good. Please keep using that brain for, for, for what's good in the world. It could go bad all right Dana he's I got been a
2: great colleague and he's helped me a lot in my writing and um, and also he helped introduce me to you uh, and I'm very grateful for that well thank, thank you, you so
1: much and he and he's a, he is a great writer and I, I've known him I used to go back on the red eye and stuff like that when he was in with Bill Schultz and I, I always I remember
2: just, uh, I remember yeah. you on the red eye
1: yeah I always just thought he was just so talented and so funny but all right Dana thank you so much again the book is Everything Will Be Okay Life Lessons for Young Women from a Former Young Woman as Greg Gutfeld likes <laughs> to point out so, uh, and uh, you can find follow dana of course over on fox news and her twitter handle is at dana prino p-e-r-i-n-o is there a website or anything you want to refer people to it's also instagram is at dana prino
2: yep i think those two things are perfect
1: all right thanks dave we'll talk soon only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and in the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com.
0: Hey, movie lovers. Who needs a theater when you have Pluto TV? Grab your popcorn and your streaming device because free movies are here. Pluto TV is your home for movies. Great movies are playing anytime in over 20 exclusive movie channels of action, horror, rom-coms, and more. Watch hits like Saving Private Ryan, Pretty in Pink, and Charlie's Angels all for free. No sign-ups, no fees, no contracts. Ever. Download the free Pluto TV app on any device.